and we welcome into the program from the uh, podcast Locked on Horn Frogs, Stephen Simcox. Stephen, good morning. How are you? Tom, more good. I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing, doing well. We appreciate your time. Hey, couple of weeks left uh, in the uh, Big 12 baseball race, in, in the Frogs are fighting the Cowboys for that top spot. Yeah, uh, tough. You know, definitely a step back dropping that series Oklahoma over the weekend. Um, so mathematically, they're still very much in it. Now, I think, you know, the, the most likely scenario is if they can sweep Kansas this weekend, then that'll actually wrap up Big 12 play for TCU. Um, and then Oklahoma State, if they find a way to drop three of their last six against Tech and Baylor, then I think they end up tied uh, for a conference title, which uh, they'll just split it. But honestly, you know, I think the bigger goal for TCU um, moving forward is just figuring out what their starting rotation is going to look like going into the postseason. They've been kind of mixing and matching. They tried another combination last weekend that didn't really work out. The starters only went uh, nine innings, and that was Austin Cove, Marcelo Perez, and Caleb Bolden. So you have to find a way. Uh, or you have to find a combination of some guys who can eat some innings and go deep in the games. Uh, this is going to be a, a pretty short postseason. But a Big 12 title would be significant. I think the main reason it would be is because if you win a Big 12 title, even if you share it with someone, I really don't know how the committee can keep you from hosting. I mean, even TCU with their RPI in the 30s right now, um, it's a major conference. You find a way to win a conference title, and I feel like you're playing in Fort Worth. Uh, to start NCAA tournament play. If they finish, you know, second, I feel like they're probably headed somewhere else. Maybe College Station, that'd be kind of a fun matchup if they face off of their uh, former manager, Jim Foschnagel. But um, the biggest priority for TCU, I think, the last couple weeks of the season is just figuring out who you're going to go to in that starting rotation uh, once postseason play begins. Because if they can't get that sorted out, then uh, honestly, I don't really think it matters where they end up in the NFL standing. Is, is it five or is it six? out of this league in NCAA play, in your opinion? Oh, man, that's a good question. I mean, it feels like five to me, Tom. I don't know. It's strange because I think like, I think these teams are good, but I feel like every team in the league is a little bit flawed. I don't really believe there's just a group that's head and shoulders better than everyone else. Uh, Oklahoma State has been flexing their muscle here lately, but they haven't been super consistent, and I'm very curious to see what Tech does against them in Stillwater, even though I know Texas Tech has had a lot of issues on Sundays, closing out series. They just don't have a ton of pitching depth this year. But, yeah, it feels like a five-bid league to me. Um, you know, Texas is still very talented. They sort of got back on track in Morgantown, but they haven't lived up to expectations. I think Texas Tech and Oklahoma State have been good, but not quite as good as people thought. So, perception's reality, and I feel like they end up with five teams in the first season. Can the Frogs carry that game last night, a extra inning grand slam to, to walk it off last night? Does that momentum go into the weekend and maybe into the Big 12 tournament? Maybe is that the shot in the arm that this team might have needed to kind of jolt in that direction? I can see it. I mean, my goodness, like struggling against the Carnet Word, that doesn't instill a lot of confidence. But, I mean, Tuesday night games are sort of a sort of a crapshoot. You never really know what you're going to get week to week. They did find a way to fight back. Instead. They're actually down the last strike down 7-6 in the ninth, and uh, David Bishop hit a, hit a single to tie the game and then actually hit that go-ahead grand slam as well. So, you know, games like that, it really doesn't move the needle much. It's not going to catch the attention of a lot of folks. But I think when you're struggling, um, as you said, Ward, just getting a win is a big deal. And getting a win 
when it looks like, you know, you were down for the count, might have a pretty devastating loss. Could be a, a big rallying point for this team. But I think that really starts with uh, Roddy Cornelio and his health. He didn't play last week. He didn't pitch last week. He has uh, a foot injury. I think he can return when they travel to Lawrence and give them some good innings, and I think it'll help stabilize things. But, yeah, I mean, it should be uh, – they should be feeling good today, and that should – help them with their travel, you know, schools wrapping up as well. There's a lot of reasons for them to start ramping things up, and uh, certainly getting a big walk-off grand slam like that should bring some energy to the team. Simi, do you like the Frogs' chances of landing an LSU transfer guard, Adam Miller, which, I mean, you need to quit, y'all need to quit tampering with the Tigers, but, you know. <laughs> it was apparently either down to TC or LSU. Guys, I really find this funny. Like, he's in the transfer portal, right, and he's giving his final two games. And one of his final two teams was one of the teams that he was on last yeah. season. It's just so bizarre kind of what we're dealing with with college sports in, in the portal right now. Uh, but obviously, like, it's just part of the freedom these guys have now. I like their chances, Garrett, but I, I, the reason I'm concerned, he's not making a decision until Friday. And he visited last Friday. Um, that's a whole week. And I don't know, you know, who's all in his ear. I don't know what the communication's like. And I realize he has a new coaching staff. But I just, I mean, I would feel better if he visited on Friday and then made a decision on Monday. Um, I'm sure the TCU coaching staff is staying in touch with him, trying to find ways to convince him to get to Fort Worth. But I could, I mean, I could see it going either way. I think, both, you know, looking at the reporting, both camps feel pretty good about where they're at. So I'm not sure he's tipping his hand either way. Um, this would be his third school in three years. He was in Illinois and then at LSU, didn't play last year due to uh, uh, ACL injury. But, yeah, I like their chances. The timing of it's just strange to me. Um, I think that week in between being on campus and making a decision could help LSU if they can, you know, get in front of them and, and find a way to say, hey, let's, we got a fresh start here, really a whole new roster as well because they had a lot of guys in the portal. Let's run this thing back and, uh, and, and start to build around you. Talking with Stephen Simcox from the uh, podcast Locked on Horn Frog. Stephen, we were talking about, and we have <laughs> – Seems like every day we talk about NIL and the portal, but I mean that's just that's that's the world we live in now. But when it comes to the portal, do you see the portal changing to the dynamic of the portal changing as this thing goes on and on? Uh and maybe players enter that portal and they don't improve their 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 lot in college football. Can can you see the dynamic of the portal changing some? I could. I mean, I think there's certainly, like, some natural consequences of, oh, I'm in, you know, I, I got in the portal and I found out, hey, maybe I didn't get all the offers I wanted. Maybe I didn't have the school that I wanted to. I, I guess the big sticking point is I think one reason a lot of people enter is because there's really no punishment, right? Like, you can leave. You can have immediate eligibility. You can come back at the school that you uh, thought about leaving. We'll take you back, and there's really, you know, no harm, no foul. Um, so I feel like unless the NCAA, which is sort of a, a toothless institution at this point, unless they can sort of put some guardrails that say, hey, like, once you enter, you got to make a decision within a certain number of days. We can't drag this out. Uh, maybe putting some time frames up to disallow tampering. But uh, it's, a, it's a good point you make because I think one misconception people have is this idea that everybody who enters the portal is, is kind of running like, oh, I didn't get – I didn't want to start a job, so I'm immediately going to just hit the portal and go where I want. And maybe that is what some of them think. But there's so many guys out there now that are trying to transfer that 
um, you know, you, you might not end up where you want. And like, I'm not, I'm not criticizing this player. Like, I totally understand why he made the move. Um, I was just surprised that like, Gary Bohan's going to South Florida that might be a, a good fit for him. But, like, you're talking about a, a player that had some injury issues, struggled at times. Bottom line was he was the quarterback for a team that won a Big 12 title for most of the season. Now, Blake Shapen ended up taking over and was the QB when they won that title. But, like, he was the QB on a, a Power 5 conference championship team for most of the year, and now he's at South Florida. And some of that's timing, some of that's, you know, the first wave of QBs had kind of entered by the time he got there. But it's just uh, there's only so many places to go, and there's only so many places that you can start. You're not going to enter the portal and then go somewhere else where you're going to have to have some huge competition for a job. Um, so there's just not as many options, I think, as, as players sometimes make it out in their minds to be. Stephen, where was the biggest improvement for the Frogs in the spring, or is that hard to gauge with the new coaching staff? Yeah, I think it's kind of hard to gauge right now. I'm, I'm excited about the skill positions award. You know, actually, uh, on the podcast today, I had an episode about um, Kendra Miller and Imani Bailey, the two running backs, that were sort of skipping the role that Zach Evans left when he transferred to Old Miss. And, I, I mean, I don't think they're as talented as Zach Evans is, obviously. But Zach only had about 650 yards last year, so I feel like those guys are more than capable of replacing that production. Um, he had some injuries down the stretch, Evans did, and, and didn't play the full season. But Quentin Johnson, obviously, on the outside, is a big-time wide receiver. I think they're, they're excited about some guys like Quincy Brown and Gunnar Henderson, um, and then players like Darius Davis and Tay Barber on the slot have been there for a long time. So I, I like the potential of that offense and those skilled players under Sonny Dykes. Defensively, I feel like they've – you know, it remains to be seen what's going to happen, but I, I think they've beefed up this defensive line fairly well given the circumstances. They have Dominic Williams, who's a true freshman uh, from the state of California, and he had a really good camp. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not naive. I know it's going to be a huge step up for him playing, you know, Big 12 football out of high school, straight out of high school like this. But um, they're excited about him in the future. Caleb Fox, the Stephen F. Austin transfer, got a really big season for the Lumberjacks last year. He's coming in. Um, they added a few other guys in the portal as well. So it seems like Joe Gillespie has a pretty clear vision for what he wants. He wants more beef up front. He wants more size, guys that can be disruptive. And so I, I think they've done a nice job of filling out the roster with players that fit that mold. Now we'll see what happens when they actually hit the field and if they can find a way to get to the quarterback and stop the run. Um, but those are the things that stand out to me as – sort of biggest improvements or biggest reasons for optimism going into the year. Simi, with the NCAA Oversight Committee coming out and wanting saying that we don't necessarily have to have conference championships anymore, and as the Big 12 comes together, do you see this being where it's kind of open? Do you see them doing a pod situation or sticking with conferences, or what would you like to see? Yeah, I don't really know what, why people are so against divisions these days, and maybe I'm just listening to the wrong folks. I still like the idea of divisions in a conference title game, you know, I think that extra data point, even though it's kind of risky, is uh, is is good for the league. I feel like it's good for um, you know teams that make it to the conference title game, get a chance to play in a game like that. You know, the pods. I, I think it's an intriguing idea. I really haven't heard like a lot of great formats for it, but um, you know, like just the standard like two division format. You're going to play some teams every year, some teams every other year. And you just sort of rotate it like that. That is one thing that I'm not super excited about with the Big 12 expanding. I mean, it's inevitable, and every conference is doing it. But 
Um, I did like the round robin schedule. I, I think it hurt the Big Twelve in some ways. I guess teams are so familiar with each, with each other that you saw more parity. But at the same time, I just like the idea of everybody playing everybody each year. That's not going to be the the uh, possibility now. But um, I like the conference title game. I, I think it should stick around, and I'm I'm just good with division themselves. But I know uh, it seems like the the more the commissioners are talking, they're trying to get away from that model. Stephen, you know the rumor that Texas and OU may be leaving sooner than thought in the first place and maybe that the other teams are coming in quicker. If that happens, do you think that this conference can hang on and stay a Power 5 conference truly? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, a lot of that, I guess, depends on visibility and your TV deals. But, you know, I still feel like there's good programs here, not necessarily blue bloods, but programs that demand attention. I think the bigger the bigger reason I would be concerned, Ward, is what happens if and when some of these other conferences decide, oh, you know what, we don't really want to mess with the NCAA, and they just form their own sort of super league. And who's going to be involved in that? Because I could definitely see the SEC and the Big Ten and the ACC saying, uh, hey, you guys figure it out. We're going to do our own thing, and we're going to become like the premier league of college football. And then I don't know where the Pac-12 and the Big 12 stand when that happens. Um, but I, I feel like you look at the teams, and if you're looking at on-the-field, the on-the-field the on the product with Cincinnati coming in and Houston being added as well, I still think it's a better football league than the Pac-12. Now, does they have the fall power that the Pac-12 does? It's USC and Oregon, though. Um, but at some point, I think the on-the-field product should matter. But I'm not the one making the decision on how much to pay for those games. So I guess that's really going to be the exciting factor in uh, the Power 5 conversation. Stephen, what do you got to, coming up on your podcast? Yeah, we're talking uh, running back today, that running back position kind of going through the roster after spring camp. Um, also, plenty of coverage of the baseball teams that get this postseason. And then tomorrow we'll have our weekly Big 12 roundtable with uh, Josh Neighbors, who I know you guys know well. And he led a discussion on uh, odds for – Big 12 title with football this year. So that's all coming at you later this week on Locked on Horn Frogs. Thanks, guys. Hey, appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Stephen Simcox from the uh, podcast Locked on Horn Frogs.